Recording in progress. Yeah, it's okay? Three. <coughs> okay, Shalom Ubracha. Shavua Tov. We are continuing with where we left off in this lesson, Likutei Moran, lesson 24, paragraph number 4. Just before we go into it, <coughs> just some amazing things from the book uh, Yemei Mohanat. Yemei Mohanat is Rav Nosen's autobiography. It's in two parts. The first part is from the time he was born until about a few years before he passed away, like 1840, eight, uh, sorry, 1835, uh, whatever, 38. And part two, Rav Nosen wrote his whole trip to Eretz Yisrael. He wrote every single detail because he felt that everything about what he went through to get to the Holy Land is worth writing. To show people what he went through, all the obstacles, all the frustrations, all the confusions that he went through, he wrote down everything. In this second part, Rav Nosen shows you what he went through. It was absolutely crazy. You know, he, he said about himself that any Jew who tries to come to the Holy Land has to go in a curvature roundabout way. It's never straight. If you want to come to Eretz Yisrael, which means you want to come to a level of holiness, it won't come like this. It's going to be like this. The classic example is what it says in the Chumash. When the Jews left Egypt, what does it say in Barshat B'Shalach? V'lo nacham elokim derech Eretz plishtim kikarovu. Right? And Hashem didn't take the Jews to the straightest path to Eretz Yisrael from Egypt, which is the land of plishtim kikarovu, because it's close. When we could close, pen, right? Because if the Jews began to have doubts, after being faced with tests, they say, ah, this is not for me. And it's easy to go back. So they, so they go back, okay? So this is why to do anything, Rav Nosen writes, anything where a Jew's life and Yiddishkeit will develop big time, it has to come about like this. Curvy, obstacles, upside down. I don't know if I have the money. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I should go. And this and that. A person goes through crazy things. Why? Because that pulls out of him his cheshik, his yearning. Do you really want it? It'll come out now. We'll see. If you really want it, then you're not going to back down. And if you don't really want it, the slightest obstacle, no, it's too much for me. I can't handle it. You know, I'm just going to, you know, whatever. Okay? Rav Nosen says this applies for Eretz Yisrael. And for coming close to the tzaddik. So he says in Yemei Moranat, there's a, there's a little story that there were two young men who, who were very poor and they were starting to come close to Breslev and Rabbi Nachman's teachings and they were coming close through one of Rabbi Nachman's older disciples, Rabbi Yudel. Rabbi Yudel was the son-in-law of Rabbi Leib of Volochisk. He was a big, big uh, student of uh, the Magid Mizrich or the Baal Shem Tov. And this of Yudel himself was a student of Pinchas of Koretz and of Zush of Anapoli, you know. He had big people. And he came to, to be a follower of Rabbi Nachman, who was younger than him. And this of Yudel was involved also in Kiruv. So these two young guys who lived in some little village, they spent all the money they had and everything to come to Rabbi Yudel. And they, they just came to find out he wasn't at home. So they came to another city called Medvedivka. And he wasn't there also. And Rav Nosen says, and I saw how they were so upset, they were so broken, tzibrochen, they were so broken because, huh, remember? <laughs> they were so tzibrochen because they spent all the money they had and there's such obstacles. And Rav Nosen writes there 
And this is how it is, as is known. As is known, that anybody who wants to come close to us, the breast of movement, Rav Nosson writes, they have to go through these, these type of tests. Okay? In the end, I'm in the middle of the story, and obviously Rav Nosson spoke to them and gave them light and gave enthusiasm. But he shows this like a piece of how it is. If you think to come close to anything which is a hard level of truth will come easy, you're wrong. If you, if you want to now come to a higher level of Kedusha and Emet, the Yetzirah is not going to let you. It's not going to be so easy. Okay? I mean, I have to compare, but there's once, a long time ago, there was a movie. <laughs> a movie with an actor, a famous actor. His name was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everyone knows the guy, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who doesn't know? There was a movie called Total Recall. I'm just giving an example from the movie. So he was living a fake life because they erased his memory. And then when he did, he went to a certain machine, was able to open up his blank memory to try to tap into it when the security found out that he's doing it so they began to attack him that's how it is in, in Judaism that you're born even you're born from you're born into what's called status quo everything you're just eating and drinking and sleeping and going, waking up and davening and learning and going to work it's like a scenario it's like you know you just it's like regular everyone's doing it even a from person okay all the more so if you're not from, all the more so if you're in a different world. You're living in an imaginary world. When now you want to wake up to really connect to Hashem, Yitzhah says, ah, you're waking up now. Now we're going to start giving it to you. Now you start getting it. Why is that the test? Because this is to see if you are determined. Are you going to say, ah, the age of this, I don't need this garbage, you know, leave me alone. Let me just live a fake life. I don't need this, these tests and these difficulties and challenges. Ah, I what do I need this for? As if I'm not going through enough difficulties already as it is, I need this on top of my platter. I have to add this to my platter. But the guy is determined, will take the punches. And he said, but I have no choice. Like, oily mi yitzri, oily mi yotzri. You know, woe if I go forward if I'm getting punched. But also, woe to me if I go back. I'm also going to get punched. There's no way out. I ha- I, to live a life of Shekhar, you know, I'm going to be fooling and hurting just myself at the end of the day. So a person who's determined... He gets hit, he gets up, and he continues. The answer says, you didn't give up yet, huh? Okay, another one, another patch, and another one, and another one, until he sees that you keep on getting up, and you keep on going forward, even though everything's all the, it's against all odds, everything's against you, still, you hold on and you go forward. So if Nostin says, this is a key, this is a key to, to survival and to coming close to the Kedusha. In our context of Lesson 24, the Yetzirah knows the best way to break a person is through atzvut, through sadness, to make you sad, yeah. to make you broken, to make you feel like garbage, to make you feel futile and useless and everything. The Yetzirah knows that. So he sends non-stop attacks to make a person be with da'agot and atzvut. That's the wording Rabbi Nelson uses in the prayer on this lesson, prayer 24 of the We saw that. That person, there's adaga and atzvut. They work together. The worry makes you fall into atzvut, and the atzvut lets you fall into your ta'avot. The main ta'avah, Rav Nosson writes in the Kutah Alachot, that a person falls into is Pagam Abrit. It's clear. A person goes into Pagam Abrit, that's like immediate. Chasashan, a person is, is really broken about himself, like Rabbeinu shows in the story of the exchange children. And the exchange children, it's one of the stories, Rabbi Nachman's stories. The true son of the king who grew up as a slave, as a servant, and he was being now pursued by the true son of the servant who was now the king because he knew the trick they played on them, that they were switched. 
He knew it. He was told by somebody. So he began attacking this young boy, and the guy doesn't know why. He said, he found out the reason, because he think, they think he's the real king. It's a rumor, though, and he's being attacked. So he said, you know, what is this? Do I deserve this? And Rabbeinu says in the story, he fell to what? To drinking and prostitution. He went into prostitution. He went to be to, to, to go into sexual transgressions and drinking. Because this is the way when a person gets sad and frustrated, or sorry, frustrated and sad, the way, immediate, the way is to go to, uh, to, to Znut. That's the worst. And the person will fall and go all the way. He'll give a more head there. He'll, he'll give himself a, a, an okay, a justification why I'm like this because of what I'm going through. Rav Nossin is so strong in his chizuk. He says, and even if you do fall like that, chas shalom, the thing is to still get back up. Most people, when they crash like that, what do they say? Even if I were to come back, as if he'll accept me now after what I did, as if the tzaddikim will accept me, as if there's hope for me, as if someone will, will be willing to work with me, Rav Nossin says the key is that even after all this busha, this shame that you feel inside about yourself, that you still go forward, that knocks everybody out. That knocks the teeth out of the sitrachra. Because he says, you still didn't give up? Well, I don't, have any, I don't have that much more cards yet to keep on attacking you with. I gave you my best shots and you're still getting up. Okay? So if Nosen says in the Kutei Alachot, and it's also in Yimei Moranat, the main thing is because of that, a person has to invest a lot in being happy. Even if it's fake, fake happiness. Even if he's not feeling into it, even if it's clapping the hands and dancing, even though he feels doesn't feel like it, you do everything to be positive. Because this is where the Yetzara has the opening. Tachat Asher, like we said many times already, at least a hundred times. Tachat Asher, Lo Avadetem et Hashem Elokechem Besimcha of Tuvdevav. All this is coming, all the punishments, the, 20, the 98 curses in Parashat Kitavo, because you didn't serve Hashem with joy. Besimcha uvtuv levav. There's no good heart because there's no simcha. The Pasuk says two things, by the way. Simcha and tuv levav. You don't have a good heart, which is what you need to serve, to, to serve Hashem. You need a good heart. And the reason why a person has a good heart is because he's the atzvut. He's sad because of what he's going through. And a person justifies to be sad. He justifies to, to be very sad. I got, a, I got a letter recently from some guy in Ali. <laughs> and he's davening in like a Sephardi Litvish uh, shul on Shabbat. And he started clapping his hands in the davening. And the people there, they're telling him, you know it's Asur on Shabbat to clap your hands, you know, to clap your hands and everything. <laughs> I started cracking up because nowhere does it say about clapping hands during davening. It says clapping hands at the Shabbos table because there's a problem that you start uh, banging on the dishes and playing drums, you know, playing... Uh, who's the famous drummer? There's a good drummer. I think Phil Collins, I don't know, whatever. These good drummers, person starts playing drums with the, the cups and everything, okay? But nowhere in Halacha do they talk about clap hands during davening. Right, so, they, so automatically, the Sephardic Litvaks, they assume it's forbidden, it's Asur. In other words, be, continue being, be sad and continue being sad. Here we're not happy. Here we're Tisha B'Av, you're not Shabbat, okay? Poor guy, I said to him, so, yeah, or find another minyan, or clap quietly, okay? But don't be fooled when someone tries to tell you, you know, this way of being sad, this is part of halacha. You have to do like this and everything, and they make you feel bad, and they try to justify this halacha. Know that that's not the real truth. It can't be the emet lamito that the halacha requires you to be in a sad attitude. Okay? It can't be. So it's just funny, the guy, when he's going through, even the daven, he can't daven in a shul, can't, can't be trying to express his happiness because it bothers other people. Okay? There's many things to do. A person can clap quietly, whatever. 
And that, if the other guy's looking at you, he's telling him, you're not supposed to be looking at me, you're supposed to look at your sitter. Don't look at me while you're davening. It bothers him while I'm being shmones, I'm clapping my hands quietly. But you're supposed to be looking in your sitter, you're not supposed to be looking at me, right? That's one thing. Okay? So going back, because of this Yetzirah, he knows the way to get people is Atzvut. Atzvut is the key for everything else to get a person down. So for this reason, a person has to strengthen himself. Rav Nosson writes in that same trip, in that same section of his autobiography, that he, because he didn't tell anybody about his plan that he wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael. He kept it a secret because he didn't want to ruin it. He didn't want to tell anybody about it until last minute. And he was having so many doubts. He said, the fastest way from, from the city Breslev to Eretz Yisrael is going down right to Odessa. And he says, here of Nosson, he said, here, he traveled all the way to eastern Ukraine, what's called the Medvedevka and Cherin and everything, because he's trying to raise funds for a few issues or a few things, one of them being Eretz Yisrael, his secret plan. He says, here I am, going in roundabout ways. And he was so frustrated that he decided to tell the people traveling with him, not about his, his, his uh, plan to go to Eretz Yisrael, but he, he, planned, he decided to tell them that he's very broken. So one guy there, his name was Rav Gershon, the grandson of the Magid of Trovitsa. Magid of Trovitsa was one of Rabbi Nachman's big students. He passed away a year after Rabbi Nachman, 1811. And he was like, over 80 years old. <clears throat> and he was a, a Magid of over 88 villages. You hear this? He was like a Rebbe of 88 villages. And he became a follower of young Rabbi Nachman who was in his 20s. Can you believe that? He was a Rebbe of the Sigal, the Magid of Trovitsa. He knew the Baal Shem Tov. He was a friend of the Magid of Chernobyl, the first one, and the Balatanya, who wrote the Sidorari. He was best friends. He gave a Haskama to the first edition of Sidur Hari of the Balatanya. You're going to like this, huh? <laughs> he gave a Haskama to the first, you know, Sidur Hari that the Hasidim made, Nusach Hari of the Balatanya. He gave a Haskama. It's not in the, 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 the present day editions, it was in the first edition. I think it's still there. I think. It's still there? I think. Uh, you have to look in the You have to go look in the manuscript versions, okay? And he became a follower of young Rabbi Nachman. Yeah, Rabbi Nachman was in his 20s, and this man was in his 70s. When he passed away, he was in his 80s already, okay? His grandson, Rav Gershon, was with Rav Nossin on this trip, and Rav Nossin told him, I'm just feeling so down. So Rav Gershon and another guy, Rav Mendel, on the, who were on this trip together, Rav Nossin, they said, we have to put him besimcha. We have to put Rav Nosen besimcha. And he needed it. He needed someone else to make him happy. So Rav Gershon said to Rav Nosen, but didn't Rabbi Nachman say about you, Rav Nosen, it's amazing, it's the first time I saw this like, written, didn't the Rebbe say about you that Nachman ben Nosen lachen from ganze Welt, that Rabbi Nachman and Rav Nosen are laughing at the entire world because of what you know, about the, the real truth of this world, and you're laughing at everybody. Didn't he say that about you? And he started cracking up jokes until he said we're laughing for about an hour. <laughs> and he said he needed it. And he says after that hour, it made me happy a little. Rav Nosson says it made me happy a little. But he said it was worth it. It was worth him to get it to be happy. Huh? No, no, on this trip. It was in 18... 1820-something, uh, 1824. Rabbi Nachman passed away 1810. It's like 14 years, 13 years after Rabbi Nachman passed away, the story took place. Okay? You went with Rabbi Nachman the first time also? You didn't have the beginning of the story. You missed out. Okay, to continue. So just, I'm bringing this point to show you that Simcha is, is really the key. It's really, 
it's worth investing in being besimcha because this yetzara knows he gets people and he, he he gets them to feel the justification why to be sad and why to be bad and why to be broken. He gives you justification. You know, this is happening. You can't pay your bills and you can't do this and that. He makes you feel justified why to be sad. And once you're sad, that's it. You lose control and you go into the tavot. It's like. Vesartem bavadatem elokim achem. Vesartem, Baal Shem Tov says, right? You just move a little. Vavadatem, you're already doing avodah zarah. Already to the worst sin, avodah zarah. Just a little bit. Vesartem bavadatem, right? It's like they say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem. Echad, right? Echad. You take off the spitz of the dalit. Kotz the dalit becomes acher. Chasu shalom. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem. Chasu shalom acher. In other words, the difference between echad. One God and Acher is the little spitz on the Dalit. Just what does it mean? A little bit. The Sartem, you just move you just move a little from the right coordinates where you're supposed to be, that's it, you're already off. You're off you're off the map. You're no longer a blip on the map even. Nothing. It's finished. That's how that's how difficult it is. Because of that, it's worth investing in being Bisimcha. It's worth investing a lot to being Bisimcha. That's why we're doing this lesson, by the way. This lesson is a key to reminding us what you get to reach through being besimcha. We're in the middle now. We're already in the process of simcha. Simcha elevates the holiness from the klipot. Once that happens, then you have the legs activated. The legs, which means there's movement now to get the world back to serving Hashem, which is the goal. And once that happens, is the hands, at least the hands, the hands, we said, is the bracha. This bracha coming down now. You open the gateway for bracha when the mitzvah are done besimcha. When little you do whatever you're doing, but besimcha, you say, ah, my tefillin as if they have a value. My davening has a value. Look at my davening. I can't even focus on one word even. The whole davening goes, and the whole day I'm thinking about that basketball game I saw last night, or this, or how this, or this. <laughs> Your whole davening went down the drain. So what, don't daven? No, the halacha, the halacha doesn't say, when we said this once, just because you can't daven with kavanah, so the halacha says, so don't daven at all? doesn't say that. You try, the halacha says you try your best. And you can't mechaven, so you're not exempt from daven. You still daven, okay? You still daven. There's no nowhere in the shulchan does it say, and that if you can't continue davening, so it's better not to daven at all. Where, where does it say that? Where, where does it say that? It doesn't say that. It says to daven as you can. Ah, but I can't concentrate, so you do your best. I can't do my best. Okay, so still daven, right? No one, nowhere does it say so. Don't daven. It doesn't say that anywhere, okay? So this idea that little me with my mitzvot to feel good about it. It's so important that a person value what they're doing. Because if he doesn't value what he's doing, he can't do it. You won't do it. You won't get up in the morning to daven if you don't value it. You won't go to the mikveh if you don't value the mikveh. You won't put on tefillin rashi, tefillin rabbeinu tam. You won't learn gemara. You won't learn shulchan aruch if you don't value it. If you feel that you're, it's all down. My hitbo to do it is not valueless. My getting up chatzot, trying to get up chatzot is no value. If you don't, if you don't value it, if you don't have simcha in what you're doing, that this has a value, forget it. So this is what he's saying here, that you have to work as best as possible to be happy, even if it means acting silly. You remember Omar Darlin? Omar Darlin, yeah. right? Okay? Acting silly, telling jokes. That's, if that's going to lead to baby simcha, then do it. Period. Okay? Fine. I had a good joke. I'm trying to remember what's the good joke. Uh, okay, it's a funny joke. Ready? Okay. The guy gets on the bus, and he tells the driver, um, Excuse me, you 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 get to the bus station, 
And the driver says, yeah, I, I, I get to the bus station. The guy says, you, you, you making fun of me? The driver says, no, no, I, 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 talk, I talk like this. And the guy says, okay, he gets on the bus. A lady gets on the bus. Good morning, bus driver. Do you get to the central bus station? He says, yes, I do, ma'am. So the guy said, mm -hmm. you see, you're making fun of me. He says, the bus driver says to him, no, 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 I'm making fun of her. <laughs> okay, good. I got, I got a smile on your face, good. All right, that was a joke. You have to be happy. Fine, let's continue. And like we said last week, there's going to be more chedushim. Here we go. In paragraph four, right? Vizebechinat. Okay, we said this pasuk, we're in a lot of this. This is what Yaakov is saying to Lavan, right? Ya Yaakov said to Lavan, you know, after, after Yosef was born, he said, you know, <clears throat> before I came, you had nothing, and now right, Hashem blessed you because of me. But he didn't say, he didn't say biglali, but he says leragli. In other words, I was the reason for Hashem to send you the bracha. The Ramban points this out. The Ramban says, why didn't Yaakov say biglali? Just say, Why didn't he say that? It's a, that's, that's a word in Hebrew, biglali. is a word that, that appears in the Tanakh. Okay, he could have said to him, and Hashem blessed you because of me. Okay, he didn't want to say that because he wanted to make known that all bracha comes from Hashem. But I could be the conduit for the bracha to come. So the Midrash builds on that, and the Midrash says like this, something amazing. One second, someone's trying to get in the class here. The, the Midrash says that wherever tzaddikim walk, there's bracha. Wherever tzaddikim go, there's bracha. The, the, the Midrash brings a pasuk about Yitzchak, that when he went to, there was Me'asharim, right? There was, he went from Gerar, and all of a sudden they, they dug and they found wells of water, etc., right? And the Pasuk says, and Hashem blessed him with Me'asharim. There was a blessing in the crops and everything. And then, and then also the Pasuk on Yaakov Avinu. And also Yosef HaTzadik, that there was a bracha on Potiphar's house, okay? So the, the Midrash says that wherever the Tzadikim walk, right? Liragli, to my feet, that's where Hashem gives the brachas. All right, so this is an important point that Yaakov is telling Lavan at this point, you know that Hashem gave you bracha because wherever a tzaddik steps foot. Now the question is, why is Yaakov saying this now? Because he waited for Yosef HaTzadik to be born. Because once Yosef HaTzadik is born and Yosef Kanotu, the union of Brit, Yesod, Yosef portrays his future role of being the tzaddik, which means mastery on the sexual purity. Once Yosef HaTzadik was born, then Yaakov can make this claim and make this statement. He waited all these years by Lavan for Yosef to be born in order that once we have the Yesod fixed, born, intact, now Yosef is now in the world, and even though he's not yet Yosef HaTzadik, but his potential energy is there. Ya Yaakov being a tzaddik with Ruach HaKodesh and one of the forefathers knew who Yosef HaTzadik is destined to be, right? So then, then he had the koach to tell Lavan, 
You should know the bracha has come because of me. Why is he saying this now? Because of Yosef and Tzaddik. We're going to need this point. What? Because Yosef was in Yaakov in potential. So yes, it was because of Yaakov. But now that the potential has become in the beginning of the actual, of the birth of Yosef and Tzaddik, he can now openly make this statement. Yes, yes, Yaakov didn't make this statement until Yosef was actually born. And he says, it's because of me. And that was Ragli, because of my feet. Because I elevated the Raglin, because I did the mitzvot with joy. Now we said, like I said last, last week's class, because Yaakov was able to do serving Hashem for 22 years in Galut, can only be if a Jew is doing the mitzvot with joy, b'simcha. Like we said last week about Yaakov, Yaakov Avinu, his ability to, to serve Hashem with anything, with everything, okay? So this, he said, this is my feet, but now my feet are complete with the Yesod. Because we said, you remember? Halichot Keli. Remember we went into this? is Halichot, which is the right leg and the left leg. And there's Keli. Keli is in between. Keli is the Brit, Yesod, Kel, which co- corresponds to strength. Once the strength of Yaakov came out in the form of Yosef, in potential, from potential to actual, now Yosef, ya- Yaakov can make his claim. One of the commentaries, I think his name is, it's a very his name, a hard name, but Ahmad Wali. The Ramad Wali, I think was a student, yeah, he was a student of the Ramak. Ramchal, thank you. Okay, Ramchal, there you go. I had a confusion on that. So he has a commentary based on the Kabbalah, on the Tanakh. Amazing, okay? So he asked a good point. He said, Yaakov, you already have wife and children. What's missing? You know, what, what, are you, what are you missing? Why do you want to wait for the sheep now? You know, you, you, have, a, you have wives. You have, you have Rachel and Leah. You have Bila and Zilpah. You have now 11 sons. Okay? What, what more are you staying there? Just take off already. You have, you have what to live off. And you have minimal. Why now are you demanding from Yaakov the sheep? So he points out something amazing. Even though Yaakov Avinu had his wife and children, still, he wanted to elevate all the sparks still trapped in the klipa of Lavan. The only way for that to come out is through the sheep, the parnasa, the money of the monetary value in Lavan's possession. Because there, Rabbeinu says in many lessons in the Kutim Moran that the biggest sparks of holiness are trapped in the money. That's why the whole thing of, of business. Why is business such a big thing in the world? Why is there Masao Matan? The whole idea of business is because when the money is taken from one person to another person and from another person to another person, this elevates the sparks trapped in the money. Unbelievable, huh? The Kesef and Zahav, the reason why people are after money, Tavat Mamon, because in the money is the highest sparks. The highest, the highest sparks holiness. Why, why, why is it a Tava? Because the sparks. What do you mean? It's not a Tava? Huh? Terekafe. It's less than 20. The next lesson in the less than 25 goes into this. If you're doing the right thing, why is it a bad thing? Because the, the lust for money is the problem. Money is a necessity. Proof is, it was part of the Beit HaMikdash. Hashem told of the Beit HaMikdash, gold, silver, copper. The Beit HaMikdash wasn't like made of like a cheap thing, like, you know, a, like a Woodstock temporary tent. It was done with, with a lot of wealth. Gold, silver, expensive stuff. It's not a joke. Why that? Because the holiness that's found in these metals is like sparks. In money. So he writes that this is what Yaakov wanted to do. He can leave now. He has his wives, he has his kids. Yosef is born. What are you staying there? He was waiting. Yaakov was waiting for Yosef to be born. 
once Yosef is born, then he has the strength to face Esav. Right? It says, Rashi says that, that Yaakov was afraid to face Esav so long as Yosef is not around. Once Yosef is around, so Yaakov is the fire, and Yosef is the flame of the fire, and Esav is the kash, the straw. Okay? Now I can burn... I can have strength to burn out Esau. I'm not, I'm not afraid to go now face Esau because I have now Yosef with me now, right? So that's why Yaakov was waiting. So go! What's the problem? No, I want to take out all the sparks left that belong to me that are trapped with Lavan. And that's in the money. That's in the money part. That's why he's, he, he's saying this point now. Hashem blessed you. Hashem blessed you. You see, Yaakov didn't say, Big Lali. He said, Vayvarech Hashem. Hashem blessed you through me, through my feet. Not because of me, but Leragli means because of my feet. I was the, I wasn't, it wasn't because, I was just in between here. Leragli, due to my feet, because we're at Tzadik steps, this bracha, like the Midrash says on this pasuk. So this is what brought you the bracha now, okay? Rabbeinu's proof now again is that Regel brings bracha. But on a deeper level, this we went into, remember, in Halichot Eli, the pasuk before, Halichot Keli. Malkiba Kodesh, when you elevate the Malchut of Hashem back into the holiness, when you elevate the Mal- Malki into the Kodesh, then you have Halichot Eli, you have the Halichot, which is Netzach and Hod, and Keli's Yesod, right? We said Halichot requires two legs. To walk, you don't need the reproductive organs. To walk, you need to walk. Even people who are sterile can walk, <laughs> physically, okay? What's the idea of Keli? Because the Koach to walk. We said this last, class, last time, if you remember, in one of the previous classes. The whole power of walking to awake the world back to Hashem requires Kedushav the Tzaddik, Keli, okay? Here also, that for the legs to reach the bracha of the hands coming up, you need the factor of the Tzaddik inside. Again, it's, you see, Rabbeinu is saying something, but it's hidden. He's not saying it explicitly. He's hinting to it that Yaakov is the idea of the tzaddik because he has inside of him Yosef. Okay, Hashem blessed you because to my regel. Yaakov is saying leragli, meaning what? Bracha comes down even to Lavan through the idea of the raglim of the tzaddikim, which means what? That again, that in order to have true simcha, you need tzaddikim in your life. You need to come close to the tzaddikim. They're the ones who will tell, make, make you tell, to have jokes, act silly, and they'll bring you the, the koach to give thanks to Hashem. Some people, they have everything to be happy about, they have everything to give thanks about, and they're walking around negative. Why? Why is it you have people, you have everything, to, you have everything going for you, why aren't you happy? Why aren't they happy? Because they don't have a tzaddik in their life. If they would have a tzaddik in their life, they would have their eyes open to see beyond what they're going through and to give thanks. Most people don't have a tzaddik in their life. They have everything to, be, to give thanks about. No, I'm in Tisha B'Av, I'm this, I'm negative. You have a beautiful wife, you have kids, you have this. You have a great seder, you can get up in the morning, you dove in, you're healthy, you're breathing, and nothing to give thanks about. No, I hate like, Smurfs, remember? I hate Smurfs, I hate everything. I hate everything negative. You remember Smurfs? There was one guy, he said, I hate Smurfs. I hate, he was like very negative. The character was always negative. Smurfs was a cartoon from the 1980s, 1980s, long time ago. So there was one Smurf, these little, little, like, uh, little, uh, what's it called? Uh, whatever. I explain it? Like blue elves. Elves, little elves. And there's one who's always negative. I hate this. I hate that. Like, always. So I always, when I depict people who are negative, they remind me of the Smurfs. I hate Smurfs. I hate that. They're always negative. Shemrachim. You got it? 
Bokashada, you didn't see these things when you were before the, before you were born even. Okay. So the the reason why people are not happy because they don't have a true tzaddik, not just a tzaddik, but a true tzaddik. Last night I had a friend who called me. He's saying where he lives. He lives in some city in Eretz Israel. He said there's a tzaddik there, and he knows he's a tzaddik and he has ruach hakodesh because he sees right through him, and he tells him exactly what he's doing. Okay. He says, but. But he gives him to feel very negative about himself. Mm. Okay? So I said to him, just because you have a tzaddik who has Ruach HaKodesh, let's say, okay? Because the proof is, he can see exactly, he knows exactly what you're doing. Does not mean that you have to kiss his feet and that's it. You have to be now submitted. This is scary. Okay? Rabbi Nachman says, I'm going off a little because it's a topic which is hot on the topic. It's hot, hot, it's hot on the press. It's hot off the press. He says, Rabbi Nachman, in the Aleph Bed book, Sefer Amidot, Yesh na'e doresh v'afar pichen eno mitkaven el ha'emet. I think that's the wording there. There's someone who can speak na'e. He's a very powerful speaker. You know, he's sharp. But nonetheless, he's not aiming at the real truth. You can have a darshan in the Torah. Okay, he speaks amazing Chidushim. Wow, he jumps from this Gemara and that. He jumps around the whole Torah and he gets you like amazed. Wow. But nonetheless, he's not focused on the truth. Okay, he's not on the truth. Not on the truth. Also, in this case, you can have someone who has Ruach HaKodesh telling what you're doing, but if he's making you feel bad about yourself and feeling negative, is this the MS or MS? Okay, now the guy reads your mind. I told the guy, I told the guy last night. He reads your mind. Okay, he knows exactly what you're doing. Now what? Okay. So now he's convinced you that he can read your mind. So now you're going to bend your feet to him because he's, he, he, know, he knows you. What's the next stage? You, you're claiming he's making you feel negative and bad. Is that the goal? Is that the goal? It's going to make you become better. Is it, is it really going to make you become better? You see, you're not, getting, you're not feeling better. It's happened a few times already. You're just feeling worse and worse and worse. What did you gain? Whatever it says, one of the talks has been to be with Jack Bazaar. In the what? What? But that sometimes he says in lesson Chet Tinyana that the way that Tzadik is Mochiach is it brings out the good smell, the Reach Tov of the person. Remember that? Rabbi Akiva said, Rabbi Akiva said in the Midrash, Alvai, there should be someone in this generation who can properly rebuke other people. Because Rabbi Nachman says in lesson 8, part 2, that in the main, when you rebuke somebody, you bring out their bad. You caused more damage than good by the tochacha. That's why he says only the biggest tzaddikim know how to rebuke in a format that brings the good out of the person. But when the person feels worse and more garbage and everything, what's the way? Is this, is this the emis? I went to this a lot also, by the way. I had, I had a rav who was always giving me bizionot nonstop. He was killing me. He was shochet in Breslavia. And I told a, a breast lover elder, a, man, a, a person I was close to, I said, he's killing me. He's killing me. He said, if you can't handle it, then, then just take leave, whatever. So I did leave, okay? And in the end, I, 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 I did a good move. It was a good move because the tochacha wasn't coming from a good place. I can say, Hashem is sending it, Hashem is sending it. But I'm not happy. I'm down. I'm negative. I don't want to dive in anymore. I don't want to learn. I don't want to be, I just want to go and eat and everything and go to Tavot. So what, what did I gain? He says the opposite. True tochacha is that it lifts you up. It doesn't break you. If it's breaking you to the extent now that you're really crashing, is that really the emet? Is that the emet or emet? What? I'm no true 
There's no true white. Uh, Always breaks you. So therefore, we need the tocha of the true tzaddikim that they know how to give it in a way that builds you, doesn't break you. Okay, that's that's a, that's a sign of a truth. That's that's not not easy. Okay, but going back, I don't know how we get. We went so off. Oh my God, I went so off. Yaakov is telling Lavan, and all the more so someone who's not Lavan, that all the bracha comes through a tzaddik. You want raglin, you want the feet. You want the feet which come about through doing the mitzvot besimcha. You want to have simcha that will bring you to ragli. You need the feet of the tzaddik to do that. You need to have a tzaddik in your life. So he's helping you to move. Like we said once, when you have a tzaddik in your life, everything he does has mileage plus. You know mileage? When you fly, you get mileage plus, you get points. You can throw a ball. Let's say you throw a ball. It can go maybe, maybe 500 meters, okay? But now if you have a bionic metal arm, and you throw the ball, it'll go maybe 5,000 miles, okay? So what is a tzaddik? He takes whatever you're doing, he helps, it's you, you're doing it. No, he's not doing it instead of you. You are, you are davening, you're putting on tefillin, you're doing your mitzvot. But when you have a tzaddik in your life, he helps, takes whatever you're doing, and gives momentum, gives power. You're not giving tzaddik anymore, you're giving tzaddik that's moving the whole world. You're tefillin now, you're shaking the whole world now. You're arba meaning, you're shaking the whole world now. Every tiny thing you do, has depth more than other people because you have this tzaddik. It's like we said the analogy, the nanas al-gabe anak, the midget. He's a midget, but you put him on top of the giant, he's taller than everybody else. He's a midget. I'm a midget. Okay, I'm a midget. I know I'm a midget. But I, where I'm positioned makes me above everybody else. I'm on top of a tzaddik, nanas al-gabe anak, a, a midget on top of a giant. So I'm above everybody else, but it's not thanks to me. It's because I'm, a, I'm attached to and I'm following a tzaddik. So this is what Yaakov is hinting to. You see, Rabbeinu is bringing this proof, not Islam. The feet of Yaakov Avinu specifically bring the bracha of Hashem, Birkat Hashem, even and especially in the house of Lavan. Why would we ever want to give bracha in the house of Lavan? Because Lavan represents the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Targum, Targum, Aramaic, is half holy, half impure. Rabbi Nachman goes into this in lesson number 19. So there, where there's good sparks to elevate, there's work to do. We need to go into Lavan, any domain which is Lavan, uh, the White House. <laughs> That's a good one. The White House, Lavan. Right, the White House is white, Lavan. To go in, whatever, <laughs> that, which is, represents Lavan, the White House. There you go. That's good, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's a good hint on America. The White House, Lavan. Baita Lavan. Whose house? Lavan. <laughs> Lavan Arami. Yeah. Okay, good one. That's a good one. So the White House, Lavan. That's where those holy sparks to elevate, okay? So we, why, like, as opposed to Achav, like we said last week, Achav, there was no sparks. That's why there was nothing left of Achav. He was killed, his children were killed. Nothing was left from Achav. Rafidu, like, what? Mamash like Amalek? What? Destroyed, wiped out totally. Mamalek, we're, still, we're still dealing with Amalek. Achav was wiped out totally. Nothing's left of him. Amalek is still around, no? Amalek was attempted to be killed. But Shaul HaMelech failed the test. He could have wiped out Amalek. Mashiach would have come then through Shaul. It, was, it didn't happen. Okay? It didn't happen. Now we're waiting for the final Mechet Amalek, Bezat Hashem, the big one. The big one. The big Mechet Amalek. Okay? Um, they say a joke, you know, the Harabite, where, where our Holy of Holies is, it's shaped like a Brit Milah, if you noticed. It's shaped like a Brit Milah. It's going to be what's called Chituch and Priya. The Dome of the Rock is like the Orla 
Okay, the Orla Rav Nosson says corresponds to Esav. Okay, Priya is the Klipa of Ishmael. Rav Nosson says there's a Klipa of Esav and the Klipa of Ishmael. The Klipa of Esav has to be cut off totally. That's the idea of cutting off the, the, the dome of the rock, the Harbait has to be cut off, boom, when Mashiach comes. And in this Priya, the Klipa of Ishmael is the second, the second stage, that so you have to cut the membrane and peel it back. It's part of the Jew, but it's peeled back, it's subdued. Klipat Yishmael is not as bad as Klipat Esav in this sense. Well, the proof is, for example, uh, a Yishmaeli touches wine, the kosher wine, it's not considered Yenesech. Uh, There's halacha, that you can't drink it, but you can have hana'a. We're talking about wine that says it's not mevushal. Kosher wine that's not cooked, okay? If now a normal goy touches it, you have to throw out the wine, you can't even sell it, you can't make money off of it. But if a, a, a Yishmaeli does touch it, because he believes in Hashem, he believes in the one Allah. There's no trinity, there's no whatever, all these things that the, the Christians have or other religions of Avodah Zarah have. So if, when a Christian touches the kosher wine, you have to throw it out. But if an Arab touches it, you don't have to throw it out. You can not drink it. But So there, there's a part that's good also in Ishmael, by the way. There's something that to be elevated, and it's kept. But the klipa of, of Haman, Esav, Amalek is totally cut off. I went off a lot today. Okay, I'm sorry. So in the Bible, let's go back. See, we interpreted it one way. The feet are elevated to the concept of the legs. And I pointed out that that the bracha comes to the feet. But really it's the opposite direction. It's from the feet up to the legs. Because he says himself, therefore what you see from this pasuk is that the feet go up to the concept of the hands because the hands are the place of bracha. We didn't go into it yet at all. Hands and bracha are synonymous. He's going to go into it. He's going to bring Pesukim coming up. First proof of legs going up to the hands. We said now bracha and the legs. How about hands and the legs? There's this Pesuk. This Pesuk we went into last week. It says, Vatelech yad b'nei Israel haloch v'kasha. The hand of the children of Israel went and prevailed. And the verse continues there. Until they totally subdued Yavin, the king of Canaan. Before this Pasuk, they had already killed Sisera. The army was destroyed. So the Jews had the upper hand. And it said, that at, that at that period in the time of Dvorah and Barak and the Sisera and the Yavin Melach Canaan, the Jews were under a lot of danger. The Zohar says like this, why were the Jews deserving of this punishment of being attacked by Sisera and his big army? being scared, ter- terrified by this, by this power. It says, because, unbelievable, the Zohar says, they weren't doing the mitzvah of Brit Milah properly. They weren't doing Priya properly. And uh, do, you have, do you have a Nach here? Do you have a Tanakh? Can you bring a Shoftim for a second? Look what's pointed out here. The Zohar points out something amazing. Here we go. So you have here, Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 4. Okay, chapter 4, let's get the Judges. Samuel, Judges. Judges, chapter 4, the end of chapter 4. This is the last verse of chapter 4. This is chapter 4, verse 24, the last verse. Okay? And then the next chapter, so the, the last verse is like this, right? The hand of the children of Israel, this passage that we saw here, became progressively harsh over Yavin, king of Canaan. So they're translating the art scroll. Progressively harsh on the words, Vatelech, right? The hand of the children of Israel became progressively harsh. That's how they translate 
Vatelech yad bnei Yisrael haloch v'kashe. We start to answer why it says twice haloch. Vatelech yad bnei Yisrael, and then haloch v'kashe. Al Yavin Melech Kenan, on Yavin the king of Kenan. Adasher he chritu et Yavin Melech Kenan until they totally destroyed Yavin Melech Kenan. And right after that starts the Shira of Dvora. How are we doing with time? Okay, you have to go. Right, we'll finish up soon. So Vatashar Dvora ubarak ben Abinoam bayomahu leimor. Right, the next pas- the next pasuk is already the Shira, the song of Dvora. Right, Dvora sang as well as Barak son of Avinoam on that day sang. How does it start? Bifroa peraot beIsrael. When vengeances are inflicted upon Israel and the people dedicates itself to God, bless Hashem. Okay, when vengeances are inflicted upon Israel, vengeances are inflicted on Israel. For what? That's this is the translation of bifroa. Peraot. What does it mean, peraot? When there's like a, there's a, peraot is a used word, a word that's used when Jews are being attacked. Like there was like a pogrom. We call a pogrom in Hebrew peraot. So the Zohar says the word for before peraot, why, it's, why is it twice? It says before peraot to indicate because of priya in Brit Mila, priya, it's a hint to priya, be, because the Jews were slacking in doing the mitzvah of Brit Milah properly. And why were they slacking? The Zohar says this, okay? The Zohar says because there was a lack in the Kedusha of the Brit in Am Yisrael at the time, and it was reflected in, being, in them being slacking in doing the mitzvah of Brit Milah properly. That's why there was pogromim, praot. There was the praot in Israel, okay? At this time. So he's showing, the Zohar says, that you see the reason why Sisera and Yavin attacked the Jewish people then was because of a Pagama Brit. And we said from the Zohar, from the, sorry, from the Arizal, that Sisera has the same Nishama as Haman Amalek. And Yavin is the Da'at. He's called Yavin because it's Da'at, Bina. Bina is the, is the level of wisdom who's nourishing Sisera. Sisera was only the Tsar. He was the general of Yavin, which means that he was gaining his strength from Yavin. Yavin was the source of the strength of evil that came out in Sisera, where the Arizal shows, again, I don't remember it off by heart, he shows of the Gematria that Sisera and Haman Amalek are the exact same Neshama. So it was a very dangerous time. It was a time to wipe out the Jewish people at that time. That's why it was a big miracle, the whole story of Dvorah and Barak and everything. It was like a repeat, if you want to say, of Purim. But the Jews succeeded, thanks to Dvorah and, and Barak. And also the Zohar points out, you see there's Dvorah and Barak, and by Purim you have Mordechai and Esther. There's a tag team of a man and woman, both here, Dvorah and Barak, Ben Avinoam, and by Purim you have Mordechai and Esther, and Dafka, a man and a woman, because it shows you that the danger was because of Pagama Brit. Also by Purim, by the way. It says in the Gemara, why did the Jewish people deserve to be destroyed in the time of Purim? Because, number one, they ate from the Seudah of Achashverosh, and number two, the Jews who were the most prominent Jewish people who, who were at the time, who went to the Seudah of Achashverosh, they also fell into the orgy. The orgy is where they had sexual relations with the Goyot there. You know that? The Yidin, who didn't listen to Mordechai, and they went to the Seudah, they fell so low, not just eating the non-kosher food, but they fell also to having relations with the woman there. That's how bad it was. So the Gzardim, because these were the heads of the, of the Jewish communities, in 100, 127 countries, these were the big shots who came to the Seudah, the leaders, 
not necessarily the Sanhedrin, but the wealthy, prominent Jews, the ones who were respectable and people looked up to, and they fell in the orgy of Achashverosh that caused the generation to be deserving of, of destruction. Like here also, Priya, the lack of the mitzvah of Priya because of, uh, because of Pagama Brit. So, so again, the, the Pagama Brit, like Rav Nosson says, is a result of sadness, atzvut, because a person will only fall into Pagama Brit if he has atzvut. At daga, worries lead to sadness. Sadness leads to a person to, to, to go and fall into his lusts and desires, the worst one being Pagama Brit. Okay? So the tikkun is simcha, but simcha that's, joined, that's drawn from a tzaddik. Okay? So this again is a hint here. Vatelech yad b'nei Yisrael haloch v'kasha. The hand of, it's in singular, okay? Vatelech yad, it doesn't say yedei. So one hand is hinted to here. The first, the beginning of the pasuk here. Vatelech yad, which hand? So obviously this is the right hand. Vatelech yad, when you speak of yad, a hand, automatically what comes to mind? The, the dominant hand. What's the dominant hand? The right hand. So, Vatelech Yad Bnei Yisrael. And then, Haloch Vekasheh is the left hand also. Kasheh is the, the, the Haloch Vekasheh, going and being strong. We won't go into this now, but the word Kasheh here is connected to what's coming up in the Pasuk that Rabbeinu is going to bring. Nidei Avir Yaakov. Okay, it says the, 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 the Pasuk coming up here from the hands of, plural, Avir Yaakov. How does the Pasuk start? The word kashe appears a second time there as a keshe, which is like a bow. We'll go into this, Bezat Hashem, the next year, Bezat Hashem. But here, there's two hands, because there's two things. See, the, the commentaries point out on this point here, on this verse, that in, in, in extracting a klipot, extracting holiness from the klipot, there's two stages. There's number one, elevating the holiness trapped there. And number two, fixing the damage done. Getting the, done, the, the damage cleaned. So, Vatelech Yad Bnei Yisrael is the first stage of the simcha of the Jewish people to overcome the sadness, to go up. And then the second, Haloch Vekasha, to now wipe out the enemy at its root. To destroy the enemy at its root, which is what the verse says. that they, It's not enough that the Jews killed Sisera, who was the big damaging guy, he was the, the, the general of the army, but also that the Jews didn't stop there they went to the root to destroy even Yavin, Melech Kenan who, who was the source from where Sisera was getting his energy from, and wiping him out also so it shows you the power of the Yadayim to bring bracha, the first verse is Hashem otcha. bracha is something positive this verse talks about wiping out the enemy so he's saying, but when the, when, the, when the legs reach the hands, this has the power. We'll, we'll, we'll develop this more in the next class because it requires more developing this idea. Because we just said, you're, in order to get to the hands, you need anyways first to do the mitzvah b'simcha. What are you telling me now that the hands are needed to wipe out the enemy? I just wiped out the enemy in order to get here. It's a question. We're going to leave off this question and hopefully next week we'll do with this presentation. All right, Shkoyach, thank you for joining. Wow, I'm sick today. A fine and nice. Is that the Shem? Shkoyach. Recording stop.